0: Welcome to Full Bloom, the podcast for millennials on a journey to finding purpose and pursuing passion. My name is Martina Lindo, and I believe we can learn from each other's experiences and hopefully help each other to bloom and grow into the people we were always meant to be. Your journey to full bloom starts right now. You're listening to Bloom Season, conversations with millennials blooming in their purpose. All right, guys, I'm so excited today to have with me Miss Desiree Booker. Hey, girl. Hey. Hey, <laughs> Um, And Desiree. And I'm met through Instagram, but we have a lot of mutual connections because we both went to Spelman. Hey. Hey. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so I'm excited to have her on because I think, especially our generation, we just need this kind of guidance. So why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself to the people.
1: Yes, thank you so much for the intro. I'm so excited to be here with you, Martina. Um, Again, my name is Desiree Booker. I am the founder and CEO of the Color Vision Lab, uh, where we empower people of color to be successful both in and outside of the workplace while helping companies to attract, engage and retain diverse talent. So that's kind of what we do in a nutshell.
0: And if y'all need help with the elevator pitch, that is (laughs) what it should sound like. Very succinct and to the point and now I'm like, oh, how do I sign up? (laughs) (laughs) So uh, as she kind of explained, like she helps basically in layman terms for us folk. She helps people connect to people of color, specifically connect to employment and not just like regular jobs, like jobs that are going to pay you well and hopefully use your talents and your skills in very meaningful ways. Uh, Do you think. And this is just a general question. Do you think it's hard for us, like especially as millennials, to find work right now? Like, what's the landscape looking like currently?
1: Yeah, I don't necessarily think that it's hard to find work. I think that the challenge as millennials is finding work that we're passionate about, right? Because we're so purpose driven and uh, wanting to feel connected to the work that we do day in and day out. Um, On a deeper level, it's not just about you know getting paid a lot of money. It's Mm -hmm. not you know we want to be integrated into culture. We want to feel like we belong and, and like we're moving the needle. So when it comes to having those impact driven roles, I. I think that they they are out there but sometimes we just don't have the tools and and know-how to really identify them and, and recognize them when we have those opportunities in front of us.
0: Yeah. And so in terms of you first getting into the space cuz you're you're not even 20 25 yet, right? 20-
1: Oh, I wish. I, I'm actually, I just turned 27.
0: <laughs> oh, well, see. look at me. I'm just giving all kind of bad information. <laughs> okay. But either way, like before 30, I think, and just looking at your resume and seeing the kind of work that you've done and the kind of people you've worked for, like what do you attribute your success in terms of your ability to put yourself at the table? Like, you know, find yourself in those spaces with people who have decision-making power to, you know, bring you on as part of a team?
1: Yeah, that's that's actually a great question. And uh, it's a question that I actually, I ask myself at, at many points throughout my career. You know, every year, it, it every start of a new year to me just represents opportunity and growth. And um, it's a period of reflection for me. Um, and as I kind of think about just like the past five years that I've been working post-grad, I think that my passion has been a soul driver of my career, every space that I I took up, you know, whether it had been an internship or full-time entry-level opportunity, I always led with passion and, uh, made it very clear kind of what I stood for. And I think people who had similar interests gravitated to that and they, they they wanted to pull me up with them. So, um, you know, when I was at NBC, that was my first full-time job out of school as an NBC universal East coast page in New York city. I was a rotational program. And my, one of my rotations was in campus to career, which was literally my first exposure to human resources and recruiting. And in Mm -hmm. hindsight, that was the the passion project that kind of helped me transition into my business now. Mm -hmm. But I got that opportunity because, um, I was one of the only pages of color in the program at the time. And uh, the campus team was going back to to the AUC to do some recruiting. And Mm -hmm. I volunteered to come back and just help recruit more diverse pages because I was so passionate about it. And anytime I had an opportunity to speak, like my my goal is always to empower and inspire. And, you know, the students were really moved and I got the attention of. Um, the the campus program director. And he actually called my manager with the page program and said, I want her. So, you know, it was those opportunities to really just show, you know, kind of who I am and what I stand for that helped me to kind of bring the right people in my circle. Um, And then once I had those people, you know, as mentors and as sponsors and And teachers, I just made sure that I was always making deposits into their emotional bank account, right? Mm -hmm. So I always talk about, um, when you have these relationships, you always want to find out what's important to people, uh, what really drives them and how you can serve them. And even as a student, you can serve people and you can you could be a connector and and find small things that are, are valuable to folks. Yeah. And once I learned how to do that and how to go into conversations and relationships by serving, that's when I started to see my entire career um, and, and business uh, take a different turn for the better.
0: Mm. I think that's so important. And you kind of just like n- hit the nail on the head in terms of just like what this space is about. And it's figuring out how you can serve other people because that's that's essentially what purpose is, right? Yeah. So I, I kind of want to talk about two things. First, you, talk, you talked about like, you know, making relationships and making sure you're depositing to other people. Can you talk about the importance of, you know, maintaining and nurturing your network like you know just once you make those connections and just being genuine in them because i know from my experience and like even being in corporate right now i see a lot of people kind of like you know schmoozing up to people who have decision making power and often to me it just seems so disingenuous um so can you just talk about like what advice do you have for people who one are trying to you know form a network that might not necessarily just be to get a job, but just to build a network in general and two, how to maintain it in a way that can be, mutually beneficial to both people. And you kind of touched on it a little already.
1: Yeah, definitely. So, I, I mean, I think it, it really, um, you know, the as the old saying goes, you need to really kind of water the well when you don't need anything. So like, you know, forming those relationships when you aren't uh, aggressively job searching or looking to get promoted or you need something from somebody, I think having that natural curiosity, uh, will help to drive it because I was genuinely curious about learning uh, about diversity, equity and inclusion. I had transitioned into a full-time recruiting role with no prior recruiting experience. So Mm -hmm. going into that space, my my MO was how do I learn how to be good at my job? And once I learned the tactical pieces of recruiting, then that's when I was like, all right, well, how can I make this role my own? And that's when diversity and inclusion started to step into play. And I naturally started to connect with people um, within my own organization when I was at Turner, who, Mm who, again, had similar interests. And as I'll talk to people, uh, you'll find that there are a lot of folks in corporate America that have, uh, passions that, you know, they're pursuing outside of the workplace Mm -hmm. and, you know, whether or not you can be of service, you know, inside of corporate or outside, I just always, um, you know, show, show gratitude is, is huge, you know, thank for their time and, and, and really, you know, I don't want to say stroke people's ego because that sounds bad, but people love to just talk about themselves Mm -hmm. and people love to share their story. And if it's somebody you're just genuinely interested in learning from, I think that, you know, just, just having those transparent conversations go a long way. Um, and in terms of nurturing them, um, I have, uh, just kind of a list of like a top 10, you know, mm-hmm. people, people who I, I I check in with regularly every couple of months. I let them know if I got a new job or if I move into a new city or if if a, if an opportunity comes across my desk and I know, hey, this person likes to uh, facilitate or do public speaking outside of the workplace. Maybe I can refer you for that. Um, just recently. I had uh, a few months ago, I got connected with a company called Autodesk by way of just being involved in a Facebook group. And, mm-hmm. you know, they were trying to promote a trip that they had to the AUC and um, they wanted to connect with people in the area. And I said, Hey, like I went to the AUC, I'm in DNI. I would love to meet up. And I literally just met up with them on a whim. When they came, the team came over from San yeah. Francisco. I met up with them for drinks and I helped them out just because I wanted to be in the AUC. I helped out with their event. And months later they reached out to me at the top of the new year and said, Desiree, like, how can we make a partnership happen for this year? Wow! And, and Literally, I went into that the, the, um, a few months ago. I went into that situation just like, oh my gosh, Autodesk is here. I get to go back to Spelman. I get to help out. We're helping to diversify tech. Like I'm here for it. Yeah,
0: and
1: and, and you know they they just they loved me for my passion. So yeah. you know. I feel like there really is no kind of step-by-step process that you can take, but, you know, people naturally gravitate to folks who are genuine um, who, who, don't have their hand out, have this genuine just yearning to learn. Um, and, you know, who who is reciprocal in terms of um, the value that they bring to the table? Yeah. So in a nutshell, you know, I, I, I think that I haven't really figured out what the exact methodology is in yeah. terms of nurturing relationships. But um, I just check in with people and see how they're doing, you know, and, and show that I care and show that they're on my
0: mind. Yeah, that, that's a good answer. <laughs> That's a good answer. And I think I think it's a good strategy. I mean, just being genuine, genuinely is, I think, goes a long way. And showing interest in people and what they're doing always speaks volumes to your character because, you know, people don't take time to really listen to people anymore. Everybody's kind of just always going, going, going. So I think, like you said, people like to talk about themselves. So If they have an opportunity, it's like, hey, why not? Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> and I want to actually add in one
1: point to something that I feel like I've had to be more intentional about. um, I think we need to get from behind the computer um, and get out there and actually have face-to-face interactions with people because it's just not the same as sending someone a LinkedIn message or an email. I have formulated some of the the strongest relationships in business and career by just going to conferences, investing. And I know they're expensive. They're expensive for me, even now to go to certain business conferences, but, you know, setting aside money to go to conferences that are industry related, having some business cards or some branding so that you can keep in contact with people. When you meet folks, follow up with a LinkedIn invitation so that you can stay connected with them. um, And so that they see your content, your updates and vice versa. But I try to go to at least, two live events where I can network, promote myself and promote my business and meet new people at least twice a month. So, yeah. um, you know, check meetup groups, check, um, event bright, you, you know, really start to connect with people on LinkedIn in your industry because they will post events in your area that you can mm-hmm. go to and meet like-minded people. So it, I think in-person events are much more powerful, but
0: we don't, we don't prioritize them enough. Yeah, we don't. Cause it's, I mean, it's so easy to get caught up in the, the, the virtual space because it's very convenient um, even this podcast like for the first half of it or the first seg- segment of it I was using um, another software to record remote um, interviews and I really wanted something where I could see you like I, because I think it's just so it's better when you can connect to somebody like look in their face versus just like talking to them through a phone basically um and so even even just in that little thing making that connection i think it just makes interactions better and i feel like you can connect to people in a more effective and and meaningful way if you can see them and touch them and just like you know really gauge their how they're feeling about whatever you're talking about. <laughs>
1: yes, I mean, and nonverbal communication and body language goes a long way. You know, yeah. something as simply as simple as smiling and, you know, having pleasant facial expressions when you're speaking with people, mm-hmm. it truly can make or break a first impression. Like, yeah. you know, and I think that that's something that's really important, especially um, as a as a person of color, as a woman yeah. of color, uh, I used to struggle with, um, pardon my French, but the resting, resting bitch face, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I used to have challenges with looking serious all the time and yeah. quote unquote looking mean. And it used to kind of rub me the wrong way because usually I was just in deep thought about yeah. something. Um, but, you know, just being cognizant of those things could send um, a really positive message or, you know, maybe an off-putting one. So yes, yeah. I, I do agree face-to-face is
0: great. Yeah. So I'm kind of interested Interested? Well, no, not kind of. Very interested. Like, how did you get here? Like, what were you like as a child growing up? Let's let's take it back there. Like, what was little Desiree like? Oh man, little Des. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm like laughing even thinking about it. So um, I was, um, I was an interesting child. Um, I'm. A <laughs> Well, to to start, I'm originally from West Philly, so mm-hmm. um, you know I definitely have kind of that cultural aspect of of me still very much so present. But um, when I was younger, I used to be like I used to w- I was very into rap. Like I was a conscious rapper. <laughs> like seriously, I, I spin right I, now. Oh, oh see, on. that's why I don't tell people because they always tell me to spin. I have not rapped in so many years, but. That was how I found my voice when I was younger.
0: I would never have guessed that ever (laughs) in a million
1: years. It is crazy. I mean, I in the way I got started. So the voice that I have now, the the tonality of my voice, I sounded just like this when I was like 10 years old. I had a very grown up adult voice. And one of my mom's friends, um, uh, I called him. My mom told me to call him about something and I left a voicemail on his answering machine and he listened to my voice and he was like, does your daughter have an interest in learning how to rap? Like it was just the most random thing. So random. He was, and he was, in, and he, was in, he was into coaching like rappers, like managing rappers in Philly. And I started working with him, and it was kind of just this this hobby to you know keep me occupied, keep me out of trouble, and um and it turned into like a form of creative expression. And at wow. the time. Uh, You know, Philly was just I mean, it still is. There's a lot of violence and just um, a lot of negativity going on in the city. And I had a very hard time finding a community and finding a group of friends that um, that understood me and that uh, I felt like I fit in with. And um, Mm -hmm. I just had a hard time, you know, in, in high school. Finding a group of friends that I really felt like I meshed with, and it really wasn't until I went to Spelman that I felt like I found my community and my tribe, where I wow. could be myself and 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 didn't be you know didn't have this fear of being judged or you know just being misunderstood. Yeah. So I think that the music I actually did that, and I, I performed at a lot of different community events and had like little EPs and stuff that I released. And I'm, I'm so dead.
0: <laughs> I just I can't. I don't see it at all. Like not even a little
1: bit. <laughs> I did. It's crazy. I, I did it for such a long time. And honestly, the what really turned me off from just becoming a musician was that I do not like to be in the spotlight in that yeah. way. And I also had my mom as a manager and she was, she was a lot. high key crazy a lot of times. <laughs> so it was not working out for me. But um, I was always just very outspoken. I was very much so a perceptive person a deep thinker, and always is very far beyond my years with regard to um, thinking about my future and and what I could do in the moment to make certain things a possibility for me. And and in this moment in my career, I'm very big on manifesting and, Mm -hmm. and, and channeling my energy to make sure that I'm in alignment with everything that the universe has coming my way. And I work on my mindset daily. And it wasn't until this year that I realized that I needed to be conscious about it. But in hindsight, I had been manifesting certain things in my life since childhood, you know? So, um, you know, it, it, it didn't really hit my stride until college, but, you know, I, I'm definitely appreciate appreciative, um, you know, of my humble
0: upbringings in Philly. So, so you ain't going to give us no in West Philadelphia?
1: None of that? <laughs> uh, no, I, I, I can't do it because I'm going to embarrass myself. But Oh, my God. From Did you back- write too? I wrote. Yes, I wrote. Yes. Um, I wrote poetry. I wrote raps like and what's crazy is I actually like was rapping when I was at Spelman. I released one of my mixtapes at Spelman. On campus, I had an album release party.
0: No, you did not. That's
1: crazy. (laughs) It was wild, and I um,
0: had—I don't know if you know—a my barber, but he did. Yes, my boy. We did so many shoots together because I was—I did a lot of the—I did all the Miss Spellman pageants while I was there. So he did all those shoots.
1: Yes. Oh my god! Incredibly talented. He did my album cover. Like it was. It was. Uh, it was a thing it was something to see
0: <laughs> oh my god so wait do you have a link to the album like is it still out there in the world
1: it's out there but you will not find it
0: <laughs> oh my god that's crazy it's so,
1: so, so embarrassing i don't even want anybody to hear it
0: <laughs> oh my god okay so last question what was your name if I give you the name, you're gonna be able to find me. But so,
1: <laughs> I'll give it to you. I'll give it to you. So I went by Miracle as my as my stage name.
0: Okay, Miracle. Which which yeah. Did, did you spell it like regular, or was it like spelt like in a special way? Oh, uh, we're not giving the spelling because okay, you really do not right, be able all to all find it. All, all right, all right, all right. <laughs> I believe it at that. I believe that that miracle. Thank you. Bad, bad. Oh my God. Well, thank you for sharing that. So I, I guess fast forward to Spelman then. So you found your tribe. Um, and just what was that like? Because I know it's not easy. Spelman is a very intimidating place for somebody who's not familiar it's very intimidating and it can be very overwhelming if you're not grounded in yourself and not sure of who you are and the person that you want to be Mm -hmm. um and of course I love Spelman forever and always um but what was that process like for you finding your tribe you know I was pretty nervous about it um it in the beginning, because
1: I had gone to an all girls Catholic high school, mm-hmm. which is why I had such a tough time in high school be- because of the all girl kind of dynamic. So I'm like, man, I'm going to go to all women's college. Is it going to be a part two? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but honestly, I just felt like the energy was different. Maybe it was because of the people uh, who were in my dorm. I stayed in Manly freshman year.
0: Omega,
1: <laughs> <laughs> OK, so I mean, I stayed in Manly and I had such a strong sisterhood from day one with the, the, the girls who were
0: on my floor. What floor were you on? First floor. Oh, never mind. It's okay. You can't be you can't be part of the second floor divas, but it's oh, all right.
1: I had a lot of second floor diva friends now, <laughs> but yeah, it was. Um, you know, we just had such a cool dynamic. You know, I immediately threw myself into activities. You know, yeah. um, I joined the stroll team. Um, I was on the Brazil Hall court at Morehouse. Okay. Um, I think that the pageant thing wasn't really for me. Um, I had a hard time. I think that. Um, I had some challenges with insecurity when I was mm-hmm. on uh, that court because, you know, when you're a f- freshman, the guys are freshmen, you know, they're, they they compare the court Queens mm-hmm. all the time. Um, and uh, I had, a, I was the own I was a, the chocolate one on the court and I had a tough time with that, you know, so it was, it, that was a challenge, but. I met my best friend on the court. She was the first attendant. I was the second attendant. So I did that. I pledged, um, you know, a sorority. I became a Delta at Spelman. So that gave me a whole new uh, yeah. sisterhood. But I think that intentionally, put, you know, putting myself in in uh, different pockets of communities at Spelman helped out a lot. But you're right. Spelman is a very competitive environment. You know, uh, granted, we're, most of us are Black women, but there's so much diversity within the Spelman Absolutely. community in terms of our backgrounds and where we come from and our own unique life experiences. And um, I think that we all felt that pressure to have our lives together by senior
0: year. By 23 and years old, which is ridiculous.
1: Ridiculous <laughs> expectation. And it was because... That was just the expectation, the standard that Spellman had set for us, mm-hmm. um, and it's great because you know we had this this reputation as Spellman women, but uh, I don't know if it was always so great for mental health. But mm. so yeah, I, you know it was a great experience, um, but yeah, it came with its you know growing pains.
0: Yeah, certainly. So you. Get through Spellman now. You get this great opportunity as a page and in, and in, uh, NBC. Yes. And I will say one of the things that I look back at my, not with regret but with a little disdain at myself because I didn't take a lot of the opportunities I had seriously or. Maybe it's I didn't understand the opportunities that I was getting. Mm-hmm. And so I just didn't pursue them because I actually was I applied to be a page, but I didn't really know what it was. like, <laughs> And I I think I just was so dead set on going to law school that anything else was just, oh, no, that's a distraction. I don't want to do that. I'm going to law school, you know. So I kind of want to talk to you about like being being on a path. Right. So, again, that's Spelman you pick a path and you stick to it, you know, you graduate, you get a good job and then that's it. Or you go to law school or you go to medical school, you know? So what was that like for you, you know, finding your lane? And did you, I mean, yes, I'm sure you felt the pressure, but like, what was your journey to figuring out, okay, I'm going to go do this program and this is where I want to go. Mm-hmm.
1: Man, that's an excellent question. And it, it was hard. It was hard. And I did not have it all figured out when I went into the page program. All I knew was that I wanted the best of the best. And yeah. and I don't know if that was the best approach, but all I knew, I was very much enamored with the idea of being able to say that I have NBC Universal on my resume. I, I became mm-hmm. a page. You know, I beat out twenty four thousand people to become one of twenty four pages for my cohort. Like yeah. that was what I gravitated to. Um, but I didn't know what, what direction my career was going to go in. I knew that I loved television. I knew that the media industry was fascinating. It was fun. It was creative. Um, it was very liberal, wasn't super conservative, like banking or, you know, uh, at the time tech wasn't ex- super popular, but as yeah. it is now, but you know, so I knew those things, but the page program seemed like a fit because it was rotational. So I yeah. was like, all right, I have some PR internships under my belt. I don't really like PR, but PR is sexy. So maybe I need to stick with it. (laughs) So I stuck with it, but I said, all right, if I go into the PAGE program, my strategy is to uh, interview for assignments that have nothing to do with PR so that I get exposure to other parts of the business. And that's what I did. So my rotations were in campus recruiting, social and digital news gathering with uh, WNBC. And I did all fair marketing, uh, for sci-fi and i think that that was the, the the best strategy because it opened my eyes to careers that i never thought i would have any interest in right yeah. um and, but s- despite that i still completed the program and went into a pr role now why <laughs> did i do that <laughs> Why did I do that? Because I found myself in the same position that most young professionals find themselves in. And that was, I had a contract position that was only a year long. It had an expiration date on it. I came out of my program at the end of the summer when people weren't really hiring. There weren't a lot of opportunities. And that opportunity came up. It was at MSNBC in Corporate Communications in 2016, which was the height of the presidential election, mm-hmm. which was a very pivotal scary time to work in news PR and I had everything in my gut told me not to take that job, but I also was felt at the time I was up for a challenge. So I took the job and the only thing that came out of it that was great was my relationship that I developed with the senior vice president of that team who is now like one of the most trusted mentors that I have in my life. Um, But it was the most stressful uh, job, scary job that I've ever had. So uh, before I kind of even go off on a tangent with that, I would say that, you know, Taking that opportunity because we don't always have the opportunity to try new things after we've already left college. Yeah. So um, even if that means just taking some volunteer opportunities outside of your nine to five or maybe getting some stretch assignments in that role. The the idea is to continue exposing yourself to new things because you don't know what you like until you've tried it or what you don't like until you've tried it. So so that was my that was my strategy.
0: Hmm. That's smart. And you and you think that in the long run, that's kind of what led you to diversity and inclusion.
1: Yes, because my rotation as an uh, as the NBC campus recruiting page was very uh, much so involved with that early career diversity recruiting. So I had several touch points with the AUC, you know, because I was an alum and because I was just so passionate about it, I learned about diversity partnerships while I was there. And naturally I wanted to go into a role like that, but I didn't want to start out as like an HR assistant or yeah. like an HR. I didn't want to do that, you know? And I think that that presents a whole new element of career paths because, you know, it's sometimes when you start out in these entry-level roles, if you're not with the right organization, you can get stuck there. Yeah. And, um, you know, you'll find yourself doing admin work, not really getting the exposure you need to advance. And you've wasted, you know, a year or two years and, mm-hmm. you know, you're back at square one. So I didn't want to do that. So I was like, you know, what? This this PR job is going to give me clout. Let me do that and figure out what's next. Mm.
0: That makes sense. I mean, sometimes it it does pay to take what looks better to give you that, you know, like you said, the credibility to move on to the next thing. So how did you pivot now into the space of having your own business?
1: Yes. So from the PR job at MSNBC, I was only there for eight months before I transitioned out. Just wasn't a fit for me. Um, and I thought that the solution would be to leave politics. So like the smart person that I am, I took another PR job <laughs> at Nickelodeon. And I only lasted at that job for about three months. Oh, no. and I, yes, and I'm, I'm very open about my my career path. Like everyone who knows me and follows my journey knows that I got fired. Like I have been fired in my career. Um, th- the firing from that particular job came about for a number of different reasons one I was just not a good fit for the role um Mm -hmm. the role was was more senior than the skills that I could bring to the table um my writing skills I I write in a very colloquial manner and Mm -hmm. uh, it was hard for me to switch up my writing style in the role so that was a hindrance but I also did not have the support that I needed in the first uh, couple of months in that role I was very much so on my own in the role and I didn't it was sink or swim and I sank and um at the time when it happened, <clears throat> I was devastated because I was in New York city is a very expensive place to live. It's not like, you know, I had a whole lot of money saved up. Um, but now I realize that it was a blessing in disguise because the person that I worked under was uh, was pretty toxic and, and, and pretty verbally and emotionally abusive.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: um, I was sc- I was actually scared in that role. I just felt like th- my fear crippled me and I don't think I would have had the courage to leave the job on my own had I not been pushed out. Yeah. And when I got pushed out. Um, I took time to do some internal work and I thought long and hard about what I wanted. And I thought, you know, Desiree, do you want to keep going along this same path? Clearly, you're not passionate about communications. Like look at this as an opportunity to do something different. So I told myself that I wasn't going back to to comms and I was going to figure out a way to go into campus recruiting, um, wasn't going to take an entry-level role. Mm -hmm. So, um, I did that. And, um, I tweaked my resume. I refined my value proposition and really honed in on my transferable skills and experience. And I was able to get a campus recruiting job at Turner Broadcasting, leading our hiring efforts for technology, corporate and production areas of the company. And the way I got that role was because of my communications background. Um, So I was hiring a lot of PR professionals. Mm-hmm. And um, I knew what that what it took to be successful in that field. And so I could hire people to be in those roles. Yeah. And uh, the interpret the soft skills. Is, and that's why I, I press that so much. Your soft skills are so incredibly important for the longevity of your career. Um, you know, that's what helped me get the job. So got that job and I thrived. I like I came in, hit the ground running, was immediately given more responsibility, more opportunities to really soar and grow and that led to me um, spearheading my first um, kind of national diversity initiative called the Turner Real Talk, Real Talk Series, which was really designed to increase the employability of diverse student groups and create a pipeline of diverse talent into Turner. I'm it was clapping to- on the
0: inside. Oh. I'm just like <laughs> (laughs) Slow clapping, like
1: (laughs) (laughs) thank you, thank you. Um, so that was that was really like my white Bronco. So that that um initiative helped to create other partnerships with like the Executive Leadership Council and HBCU in LA and really put Turner on the map when it came to diversity recruiting in the HBCU space. So once I had success with that. I thought I was like, hmm, you know, maybe I can start, you know, a side hustle. You know, I'm, I'm very passionate about coaching. People would always come to me for career advice. Um, and I loved to be of uh, you know of assistance in that way. So I started my business out by simply writing resumes and writing LinkedIn profiles for people. And I realized after like 60 days I was like this is a lot of work. Uh, I don't <laughs> I don't know how I'm going to scale by doing every single resume and LinkedIn mm-hmm. myself. So then I started to look into online courses. And I found Danielle Leslie, who is Mm -hmm. the guru in online course creation. You're Mm -hmm. familiar with her? Yeah, Course from Scratch, girl. Yes, right. Yes. Yes. So I purchased Course from Scratch. You did? Yes. And (laughs) that was the birth of my career coaching program. So. I created the Career Reset course as a result of that program. Career Reset course was specifically designed to help people of color to hit the next level in their career and provide job search strategy and assistance that was tailored to our experience as diverse professionals in the workplace. And um, I had done that, uh, in you know, as a part time part-time business owner, full-time employee for about two years. And it grew. Um, I got clients. And then I realized that, um, you know, I wanted to move up in my career at Turner, but there were no career advancement opportunities. So I left Turner and took another opportunity at a, a, a new company, that turned out to be a, not a good fit at all. It just was not a good move, and I made the mistake of being kind of clouded, having my vision clouded by money because yeah. they threw the bag at me. Yeah. Um, but it was it was not. Um, it was it was really not a good fit. So I, I left that organization and then that's when I decided to take the leap of faith and go on my business full time as of September of twenty nineteen. Wow. So <clears throat> so that's the shorts the short version of it. And honestly I think that the 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 key driver of the business has just been to create solutions for the problems that I see. So mm-hmm. if you want to create a side hustle or a business, recognize a problem and create a
0: solution for it and there's your business. Wow. That's that's really inspirational. It's I was such saying, a long story, but I'm thinking yeah, so- <laughs> No, it's not long at all. I I think that I do a lot of like millennial research because that's that's my target audience. Right. And one of the things that keeps coming up is that as millennials, we don't have the luxury of just having a full time job anymore. Like you have to have a side hustle. You have to have something, those multiple streams of income that it's not just a buzzword anymore. It's like a reality. And so I think one of the things that um, people struggle with is Taking those things that they're good at and turning it into something profitable. Like they don't realize that, you know, their passions and their interests can make them money. And so being able to coach people and, you know, show them, well, here's, if you have this skill set, this is what you can do.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so I think what you're doing is really, really, really impressive. Thank um, you. And we are gonna have an offline conversation about Danielle Leslie's course because I'm I want to I want the tea. Um, oh, yes, I will sing her, <laughs> I'm gonna sing her high praises
1: all day. So we will definitely yeah. make that happen.
0: Um, but just in terms of the things that people ask you about specifically, like what are like, if you have to bring it down to the top three things that people, when they're trying to transition into a side hustle or transitioning their career, what are the things that they're asking you about the most?
1: Mm-hmm. So when In terms of a career transition, I would say the, the biggest, the, the, the most common question that I get is how do I make a career change without having to start all over again, yeah. you know, without starting from the bottom. And I get, so I, I work with mostly millennials. So everybody I work with is, is usually between the ages of like 20, 25 and 34. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, they've been in a certain job function for a while and they, they come, they have this just revelation that look, I'm not passionate about it. I've just kind of been going through the motions of working, but I'm not connected and they have a hard time telling their career story. So the story that I just told you, honest, I have told that same story in interviews. You know, I have, I have had those same conversations with recruiters and employers. And I think that a lot of times candidates don't realize that, it's all a matter of telling a story and having the why behind why you want to make the transition. So when you get called into an interview, that recruiter has more than likely already seen some transferable skill and experience, but it's up to you to really connect the dots and make it make sense. And that's where we really have challenges, right? Mm-hmm. So that's that's the top thing, I think, on the career transition side. When it comes to um, a business, a lot of people want to start a business, but they just don't know where to start. You know, a lot of people want to start the business, but they want to wait for the perfect conditions to do it. And I always tell folks, perfect will never come. Yeah, it, like, doesn't you know, it doesn't exist. When I first started taking clients, all I had was an acuity scheduling page that I had designed <laughs> with a little bit of copy, mm-hmm. a picture. And that was it. I had no website. I had no landing pages or anything. And I grew as I could, you know, I would invest some of my salary into growing the business and that that brings up another point. I think people have to be willing to invest in themselves. Yeah, you can't expect for someone to invest their time, money, and energy and resources into you if you have not already invested in yourself to some degree. Mm-hmm. And th- I've had challenges, you know, at, at points in my career with investing in the business so much because. I thought that I would be a homeowner by now. You know, I wanted mm-hmm. to buy my first house by 25, but that didn't happen because I invested so much money in my business. And I had to make sacrifices because I saw that the business was gonna be a more long-term lucrative opportunity for me. And that if the business worked, the house would come, the the, the financial freedom would come, the wealth would come. Um, and all those, that was the key. So I think that, you know, you have to really... You you gotta understand the level of sacrifice and commitment it will take, um, and then be willing to put in the work and to invest in coaching and, and, and mentorship. Because just trying to do it alone, you will lose money, you will lose your mind, you will just you will get <laughs> so frustrated. So um, I have spent. <laughs> I've I've spent so much money on marketing coaches, business coaches, yeah. all kinds of coaches because they help me to get results faster. And mm-hmm. um, you have to understand that you're investing to get an ROI. So yeah. it, I think that that employee mindset has us always ha- being fearful of spending money because we're like, oh my god, the money's leaving my account. Yeah. But you're, but business owners look at it as all right, I spent $8,000 for this marketing uh, program, but it's going to help me make a uh, consistent uh, five-figure months. Yeah. So, th- so it'll pay for itself in the first month. There you go. So um, I think that you know, really getting crystal clear about what your offer is and who you're talking to. So once you figure that out, everything will come together. But most businesses really fail because they don't know who their targeted audience is and they try to market to the masses.
0: Exactly. And that's some, that's a conversation I have with my clients all the time Mm -hmm. is they just, they want to be for everybody. And I'm just like, you can't be for everybody or you're not going to be for anybody at all. Right. Um, So, and I think you hit the nail on the head when it, comes to marketing is that telling the right story to the right person at the right time that's how you convert so that's true um I just I think that those are really good things I hope people are taking notes um and I guess my last question for you is in this time I guess you said September yes um what has been the most exciting thing about being a full-time entrepreneur, business owner, and what's been the most challenging thing? Well, honestly, the I think the most exciting thing
1: is that there are endless possibilities now. You know, yeah. I think that removing myself from my full-time role and really having a clear mind to be able to solely get dedicated to the business has gotten my mind and my wheel spinning and, um in terms of so many different ways I can monetize the, this one set of skills that I have. Mm-hmm. Um, so before it was just coaching, now I work with companies and I'm exploring digital products and so many different ways to just monetize this one skill. So having clarity and, and knowing that no two days are the same and I'm completely in control of my day-to-day mm-hmm. has been phenomenal. Um, challenge. I think the biggest challenge has uh, 100% been mindset. Um, and that's because when I first left my job, I you, know, you have this moment immediate moment of empowerment and excitement and like, oh my gosh, I'm about to go be a full-time entrepreneur. But I was saying about 48 hours, reality sinks in (laughs) and you're like, okay, so. So ain't no check (laughs) coming <laughs> right. ain't, ain't, no, ain't no bonus at the end of the year <laughs> ain't, ain't no check Okay so yes I I just got You know I had a whole lot of money saved up But that's probably going to be gone in a few months So alright let's figure it out And um, th- I think that really studying manifestation and putting positive things in my mind and surrounding myself with positive people and folks who have been where I am and who are supporting me has been the driver. Like in the first two months, I was worried. I'm not going to lie. Like I woke up sometimes with like tightness in my chest because I'm like, oh my goodness, like my account, like my numbers are going down. I'm not bringing in consistent revenue. Like I don't know what's going to happen. And then, oh my gosh, Christmas time rolled around. Holiday season is so expensive. So I was stressed out. Yeah, but it just seemed like towards like mid to end December something clicked, and I just wasn't worried anymore. And when that worry left me, when I tell you the first week of twenty twenty, at least like six major opportunities dropped into my lap and came out of nowhere. Mm. I, I was like, like wow, you know, talk about m- removing mental roadblocks and allowing the universe to just come in and do what it's going to do, and allowing God to truly take the wheel. Yeah. So like everything that I have been doing leading up to 2020, the start of the new year, strategizing, planning, like speaking engagements came, to, came into fruition. Like I got a lot of different partnerships, like dream partnerships with organizations I have been watching for years. And I'm like, man, what are the odds that all this stuff is happening at, at this top of 2020? So, you know, when that happened, I realized that there was just no reason to worry. Yeah. And so so now it's just the only thing that I have to remain consistent at is showing up for my people every day um, and honoring my commitment to them by putting out good content that's going to help move the needle in their lives and careers and making sure that my mental is good. As long as
0: I have those two things going, I'm good. Yeah, that's that's good advice. It's very yes. good advice. <laughs> and I'm sorry, but I have to ask you two more questions. But okay. I, I just remembered. <laughs> so you talked about support and I know you're married. Um, I'm not, but I am in a relationship. Oh, who? I could have swear y'all were married. Look at that. I'm speaking it <laughs> into <of> existence. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, my gosh. So, yes. I mean, but just in general, marriage, partnership, um, what was that like, like having that conversation? And I guess it's different when you're not married, because I know for me, when I was like, OK, honey, um, I think I want to do this thing. And he was like, OK. You can do it. Let's do it. You know, like so having that support, yeah. it also is very, very encouraging. But I know for some people, that's not always the case. So what is it like, you know, having somebody or just having people in your corner like say, hey, you can do it. Yes.
1: <laughs> yeah, that is. Oh, man. I'm so glad you asked that question because I was just speaking with my boyfriend about it a little while ago. Because, I could have yeah. y'all were married. Maybe it's because I call him my partner when I talk about him on social media. I don't like saying boyfriend, but <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we're not married. But yeah, he's you know that's my boo. Um, <laughs> so when I when I initially uh, the two the first two people that I told that I wanted to leave my job and do this thing full time was my boyfriend and my mom. Mm-hmm. And uh, in full transparency, they did not receive it well. Um, mm-hmm. And that's just because they had the employee mentality and it's not that they didn't care for me. It's not that they didn't support me or think that I would be successful, but the idea of me giving up my benefits, giving up a consistent paycheck Mm -hmm. for this kind of ambiguous life and new career path that was unheard of to my mom. And it was, Really, it was unheard of to him too. You yeah. know, he he had a lot of loyalty to his employer. He was just he he's just like the hardworking type that yeah. always does. He's he's by the books, right? Yeah. So, um, at the time, it was tough for me because I felt like I didn't really have anybody to turn to for a little while because um, I felt like they were they were talking me out of the decision just because they they were fearful for me.
0: Yeah, and
1: I didn't need that at the time. I needed for someone to tell me. This was going to be okay. Like you're going to, it'll be fine. And it's funny how God works because at the same time, during my my transition out of corporate, I had recently invested in a mastermind group Mm -hmm. for women of color where I was being coached by black female entrepreneurs and I had announced to them that I was leaving my job and they they wrapped their arms around me and yeah. gave me the support that I needed to say okay everything is going to be okay and then a few months down the line once my family started to see that I was serious about it and that things were coming you know coming full circle they apologized and said you know like I'm sorry I just didn't understand you know I I support you, I always supported you, but I just didn't understand. Yeah. And what's crazy now is that my boyfriend's last day in corporate is Friday.
0: Oh my God. He <laughs> to him. Yeah. Yes. So he is,
1: it's it's been a beautiful that's amazing. Journey
0: yeah, that's amazing. He,
1: we have influenced one another in such a positive way, and he has been very unhappy in his, his role. And he's so much more passionate about his DJing career and fitness. He's, he's studying to get his personal um, training certification. Um, And I was just like, you know what, if that's what you want to do, then do it. Like you, you have a a nice cushion. Let me help you develop some type of plan and do it. Like, so right now we are a hundred percent, like we support one another. We're doing this together. Um, At the end of the day, our relationship is stronger and healthier when we're both happy. And, um, you know, when you love somebody, you want to see them happy. And if that means you want to leave your job, then you just got to support them through it. So,
0: yeah, yeah. absolutely. And I'm going to step on my soapbox for just a minute and Mm -hmm. put on my like full bloom hat, like 100 percent, because I think that is so, 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 so important. I You know, I have a lot of friends who are making sick, like into the high six figures, like miserable with their life. And it's because it's like they're doing this job that pays them well, but they're so unhappy. And, you know, I think. Like you were saying, the employee mentality just makes you so fearful that, like, if I leave this job, how am I going to survive? How am I going to pay my rent? How am I going to go to the doctor? But I think once you connect to the greater within you, like the thing that you're supposed to do, like you said, things are going to manifest. And so I just that's my hope for people everywhere. And don't, please don't misunderstand. Like, I know there are people who are meant to work in the corporate space. That's what makes them happy. That's what drives them. They, you know, they thrive in that kind of environment for, but for the people who like us are like, no, that's dead. Like I have this thing inside of me that I want to share with the world. Then I really want people to feel empowered to take that leap and I mean, you've you've definitely talked about it a lot, but I guess what was like, what was the it for you? What was that like? Like, what is it? The neat? I don't know. The last like straw. The,
1: the, the straw that broke the camel. Yes, that that <laughs> thing right there. <laughs> don't worry, I messed up sayings all the time.
0: <laughs> okay. What what broke the back for you? What was it that was like? Okay, no, this is it. I'm done. Ooh. So without giving, you know, without yeah, really outing, don't devo- Yeah. Yeah.
1: But um yeah, so the, the when I say that the career move out of Turner was just not a good decision, it wasn't a good decision in any way, shape or form. I had gone into an organization where I did not feel the support of my manager. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt I had gone back to a schedule where I had no work-life balance. So at Turner, I really owned my desk and owned my schedule and there were busy periods, but for the most part I had balance. Um, mm-hmm. And I had the trust of in support of my manager, but in this new role, I was, tr- I, there was times where I was in three different cities in one week. Mm-hmm. And um, when, when my business Because mind you, when I went into this role, I was very open about the fact that I have a business that is profitable, that I run part time. And I need to be able to continue that in order for this role to be a fit. And um, it it wasn't a fit because my business suffered. I, I had I was not giving the attention to my clients that I needed to give them. Um, I wasn't active on social media like I needed to, I wasn't less planning. I just wasn't doing all the things that I needed to do to continue my business. And it started to become a point where I felt like I had to choose. And I said, if I have to make a choice, the, the, the choice is clear, you know, I'm going to choose my business. Mm-hmm. Um, and at that point I was making, I was making very good money. You know, uh, I gave up a lot in that regard, but I didn't care. It just wasn't worth it. And I was like, you know what? If I'm able to free up this this time and this energy and really devote my mental resources to this business, I have the ability to make way more in my business than I do in this job, yeah. uh, with less headaches. So, yeah, I think that you know, going into that new space and being only there for a couple of months and being exhausted from travel, not feeling supported, and just being extremely, extremely overwhelmed and, and worn out by corporate politics, I, I couldn't do it anymore. And I had an opportunity to go back to my old employer and mm-hmm. I was also being poached by other companies, but to, it's exhausting to interview and to get onboarded into a new role and learn yeah. new people and learn new culture. I was like, I can't do it. I just, I'm mentally drained. Yeah. And so that was, that was it for me. That was it. So, um, um, and honestly, I, people ask me, my boyfriend actually just asked me and my mom asked me, you know, do you have any regrets? Do you wish that you didn't, you know, leave so abruptly, you yeah. know, without a solid plan and have things been tough at, at points? Yes. I talk about that all the time. But do I wish I had, you know, stayed? Absolutely not. So they have it.
0: There you have it. Another one yep. bite the dust. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Another one bite. Yes. Quickly and
1: swiftly. Yes. Yeah, that's
0: good. <laughs> I'm, I'm really happy for you. And I and I truly wish you all the success in your business. Um, it's yes, it's like so needed um, in this world, um, in this space. And I think um, one of the things that I try to encourage people to do is to to stop the self-doubt because a lot of people feel like, you know, because they don't, you know, have the most prestigious education or, you know, the most fancy background that they shouldn't pursue opportunities. And I'm just trying to help people dispel that. So, yeah. I think Absolutely. what you're doing is great.
1: Thank you so much. And I would say this exact same thing for you. And I mean, I'm all about empowering, you know, black women who are entrepreneurial and who are really just drivers of their careers. So um, a, a lot of respect and kudos to you for creating this platform um, for Thank millennials, you. you know, to really, you know, connect people with resources. Um but yeah, we, you know, we're, we're, we're all just chugging along. And I I would say if I could just kind of leave everyone with just one piece of advice, I would just say, you know... Sometimes you just got to jump jump out of the plane and build your parachute on the way down. Um, don't wait until you have all your ducks in a row to make a decision for your career and your life. Mm-hmm. Just work with what you have now and just start. Just start because you're going to learn so much with every failure, with every setback. You will learn how to redirect and do it better the next time. So if, we, if you don't take anything else away from this conversation, just start with what you have um, today. Okay. Yeah. So- that's good advice. Thank you
0: so much, Desiree. And where thank can you. the people find you?
1: <laughs> yes, thank you. So if you are interested in connecting with me, please uh, follow me on Instagram at Desiree D. Booker. Um, and you could also check me out on my... Uh, website, which is www.colorvisionlab.com that's C-O-L-O-R-V-I-Z-I-O-N and I'm actually wait, let me make sure I didn't give y'all my oh, no, I, I gave you my right Instagram name it is Desiree <laughs> D- Booker <laughs> I am always uh, posting updates opportunities, uh, putting out really great content you can also collect, connect with me on LinkedIn I'm very active on there as well so if you're a mid-career professional of color and you need some help with hitting the next level in your Career, um, or you're, you know, working in a diversity and inclusion role at a corporation, and you need some help building, uh, you know, some retention programs to retain your your top diverse talent. Uh, please connect with me. I would love to speak with you.
0: The sun is Hope you enjoyed today's conversation in bloom. And don't forget to rate, subscribe, and review this podcast. Thanks for listening and see you next week.